When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the Game, Set, Match sports business podcast, The Sportacast. I have nobody to ask. I guess I have to grade it myself. Yeah, again, a little on the literal side. You hear game, set, match, you know it's tennis. So, you know, just kind of be like, uh, all right, U.S. Open. I, what, what I've, I mean, Again, I have not thought about it. I don't know how much thought you give. Here's, Very about, little. Here's the big, <laughs> fuzzy, little. yellow ball, honey deuce, time of year, you know, something like that. That's where we next are. time, yeah, maybe maybe Alcaraz next mon- and Djokovic. We'll you know, is it, is there anybody else? But if a, if big thing at the U.S. Open is always the night matches, right? Yeah. So you are plunking down hard-earned money to see a night match at the U.S. Open. Obviously, you want Djokovic; he's the number one star. Uh, you want to see Alcaraz, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It used to be Venus and Serena on the women's side. Who do you want to see? If you are plunking down, you don't know, you're buying tickets, and they say, okay, the feature match at night on Ash is fill-in-the-blank after Alcaraz and Djokovic, and let me know if you're happy. Yeah, I think Alcaraz is, is probably the number one draw at this point. Djokovic, obviously very high. I think Coco Goff, who's playing very well right Coco now. Coco Goff is definitely the, one of the them. next yep. U.S. Yep. woman uh, high on that list. Um, Jessica Pagula, another, another American woman who's, who's playing very you're, well. You're has putting a chance putting Jess Pagula up on Ash alongside Alcaraz, Djokovic. <sighs> I mean, who else is there? Iga no, no, Swiatek, the number I, one I ranked it. woman, is, is, is a draw for sure. There's a few other women. Um, Sabalenka, who's playing very well. Is very fun to watch. I think she's up there too. But yeah, I think on, uh, it's funny. On the you're right. For a long time, this was I mean men and women for sure. But there were so many bankable women, particularly the, the Williams sisters. Just put, the, just put a Williams um, sister on, and you were okay. Yeah. Yeah, and, and now it's uh, now I think the pendulum has swung towards the men a little bit uh, again. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's funny. Why, I, uh, he, I, I think he'd be up there. He's certainly exciting, and, and he's de- he's one of those players that that interacts with the crowd a lot. Um, I, I, and we'll get into the, the, the finances of the USTA, but I was talking to Lou Scher, the CEO of the USTA, um, this week, and he was saying that last year they had a lot of commercial success. And everybody was saying, oh, that's just because it's Serena Williams last year. There's this huge storyline happening. Everybody wants to watch because Serena's there. And he was saying that that in some ways the success that they are projecting this year is really exciting to him because there's no 
dominant storyline, right? There's just a lot of other, there's a lot of things happening in tennis, but there's no huge thing that anyone can point to and be like, oh, you had record numbers, but sure, of course you did, because this one in a million thing happened. Yeah, it's um, got to so, be so about tennis and mass. Yeah. And the, exactly. The lack of storyline, I think, for some people in the tennis world uh, the is actually, line? yeah, is making the, the business growth that the sport is seeing, uh, making them feel like that's more solid and on, and on a better footing than I think it might be if this was Roger Federer's last year as right after Serena yeah. Williams is last year etc heaven help him if Alcaraz or Djokovic gets hurt or for some Oof. reason get bounces Lose, gets bounced yeah. early yeah 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 mm-hmm. that that would be a tough rest of the way yeah, one one thing that that I think it, we don't have to get too deep onto the tennis side but there, there, this is the best young american male group i think there's there's five american men in the top 30 right now I, i'm not sure if that's happened any time in the past few decades um so there's this is there's a chance for some really exciting uh, if you are a, a nationalist as you watch uh if you if you care about the americans in the sport there's a chance that both the american men and american women uh go very deep in this tournament and that has not happened all that often in, in the past two decades of tennis allow me to to show my knowledge of the hard court serve and volley john isner having his last u.s open if you like this the hard Court serve and volley. Go see a John Isner match. You don't know how long that'll last. John Isner, Jack Sock, another yeah. American man who 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 was was fairly high ranked for a little bit. Um, he, it's his last year as well. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a changing of the guard for sure uh, on the men's side and in, in the U.S. and. Uh, it's it's a lot of Tommy Paul and Christopher Eubanks, Francis Tiafo up there as well. Taylor Fritz. Look uh, at it's, you. It's this, it's this younger you. class. Ben Shelton. I could go all day. Look Scott. at you. You've um, been hanging out at the Open the past couple of days. I have. So it's I had all a good coming time back out there yeah, on, on a little refresher course on um, men's tennis. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think there's. If you're, if I'm the USTA, one of the things I'm pointing to, I think heading into this tournament again is is this excitement around the U.S. men that has not really been there for a while. All I know is the luxury is doing very well. That's what oh. I know. It's That's all what I know. Well. Everything yeah. the U.S. Open, from the cocktails to the suites to the box seats to the lounges. Uh, it, it's about luxury. Uh, but that's one of the reasons why the financials are what they are. And you, like you said, you spoke to Lou Scher, the CEO of the USTA. Tell me where they are and where they're headed and how they get there. The USTA is in really good shape, Scott. And, and that's just a few years after the, the COVID pandemic really, really hit them hard. The, the USTA, well, when one tournament fuels so much of what you do, you know, if you lose this tournament, you lose almost you lose the engine. Yeah, I think the easiest easiest comparison is to think of it like the what the NCAA basketball men's basketball tournament is to the NCAA, right? That that it is one event that is ninety percent of your revenue. It funds almost everything else that you do throughout the year. And in twenty twenty, when the U.S. Open had to look for a second, like the, it might not happen, but when they were able to hold the event without fans, it was a twenty two hundred million dollar revenue hit right there. Um, and, and just a few short years removed from from those kind of dark days, the USDA is record revenue, $530 million, up 10% from 2019 before the pandemic. Every metric in the U.S. Open, Scott, as you mentioned, hospitality, sponsorships, ticket sales, broadcast, all of those metrics are at essentially record highs. And like you said, right it's now. not to see Serena one last time. And again, yeah, they're they're projecting to be really high again, if not again record setting for almost all those things this year. Um, which again, Lucier really excited about uh, a couple other things that that jump out. And you and I talked about this on the podcast about a year ago when it happened. But the USTA sold that Cincinnati event to Ben Navarro, yep. the ATP event. Um, 
made made two hundred million dollars on it, and essentially, that's uh, a one time boost. It's yeah. a one time boost. They, they paid less than twenty million dollars about a decade ago to buy ninety four percent of this tournament, and then turned around and sold it for two hundred and seventy million dollars last year. Um, so they have a lot more cash on their balance sheet because of this transaction. They had a seventy five million dollar credit revolving credit facility that they had taken out a few years ago as a way of floating the uh the, the group through the, the the pandemic related cost constraints they just canceled that 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 revolver in in uh in, in february so and the reason they did is because they had enough liquidity uh to, to to cover any kind of concerns moving forward so in a lot of ways almost any way you look at it uh, financially things are on pretty solid footing right now for the usta right you and i have been out at the facility for many many years now you know we know every inch and every nook every cranny so you took oh, yeah. some of the new folks the new sportico folks out there showed them around a little bit i did please tell me you got the price of the honeydews uh, the price of the honeydews is 22 dollars, i believe which is i that, think is, is stagnant that is, that's, i was gonna say that's I think what that's it was last flat. year yeah All i right. think that's what it was last year there's some interesting the, the beverage stuff is interesting the honeydews um has for so long been this this kind of venerated part of the u.s open establishment the u.s open has signed a few other alcohol partners this year yeah. and, and they're coming more coming, more coming a tequila I'm told. one the name yep. is escape i think it might be called match point whatever it's called there's a there's another signature cocktail out there uh there's a turf war happening i think to so a wait, degree it, what's Queens our story here what's our story here is, is it it's, the, it's the, in the works the... i don't want to give away too much but 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 uh, one of our colleagues is working on this exact thing is, okay is, we better be when you go from one kind of signature cocktail to having multiple drunk al- alcohol tennis partners. fans, the story in Queens. That's it. It's yeah. just get them drunk. That's your storyline in Queens. I don't think the tequila one has the melon balls, uh, the three melon balls right. resembling the tennis uh, t- tennis balls like the uh, Honey Deuce does. Um, but yeah, there, there, there's 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 uh, there's a little bit of an alcohol war going on out there. Other things that are new this year, Scott, which are interesting, maybe to our listeners, first year at the U.S. Open that the men and women are using the same ball. Mm-hmm. which was a controversy of sorts last year. A few of the women, the harder-hitting women, complaining about the way the ball was reacting. Now, for the first time at the U.S. Open, um, both men and women will be using the same Wilson ball. Um, so, so, so that's pretty new. Uh, this is the 50th anniversary of equal pay for men and women at the U.S. Open, um, which is something that the USTA, I know, is very proud of and will be celebrating a lot, I think, in the next few weeks. Uh, so those are two two big storylines. We, we sat in, our colleague Lev and I sat with Novak Djokovic um, on Friday for the PTPA press conference, the PTPA being the new uh, Professional Tennis Players Association. Shout out to Nassar. Yep, run by Ahmad Nassar. Um, and it really, I, you know, I don't wax poetic that much about athletes. Um, oh, wait, are you really, about to wax poetic? I am. I, really? I, I was really impressed by Novak. The, 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 the amount of his time that he has dedicated to this cause, for folks who don't know, Novak and his and, and fellow tennis player Vasek Pospisil founded the PTPA back in 2020, trying to get more money for the lower-ranked players. And Novak is very outspoken. We talked to him at length on Friday about this exact idea that that for him, tennis is gravy uh, and he's obviously earned that, but he wants more tennis players ranked between 75 and yeah, 100. The lower ranked players lose money just based living. on transportation and hotel they and have food to pay and masseuse. Way. And, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and the PTPA is, is doing a lot of work organizing and trying to push the USTA, the ATP, the WTA, the other Grand Slams, all the powers that be in tennis to try to treat those lower ranked players better. Um, and it made me think about the, the, the there is this tension in all these other sports, right, about union representation and the stars and the younger paid players and, and rookies and things like that often get the short shrift. We call in, them in the rank and file. Leagues. Nobody, yeah, that the, the stars get what they want. The rank and, and file and, get pushed and, aside. And Novak is the best tennis player in the world and has been for a while now and he is making it very clear every chance he gets that uh that, that the players that are the rank and file need to be paid more and i was just impressed by again how eloquent he was on the topic and two just the fact that the the person who has benefited the most from the amount of money that is flush at the top of the sport um being this outspoken about trying to to trickle that down towards lower players um, right, this is not business related but i want to talk about this because you hear people all the time and this is like on-court related, which I don't often do. But say you, t- you mentioned the balls. I think be using the same ball. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- there's the famous quiet, please, you know, at all tennis tournaments. <laughs> and people are like, why do, you, why do they need quiet to hit the ball? If you can hit a baseball with 50,000 people yelling, if you can shoot a free throw, blah, 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 blah. You, you get that from your sports radio type. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I once asked Roger Federer, and you and I have had this discussion, so you know the answer. Yeah. But I once asked him about it. And I didn't really know this, and I think maybe some of our listeners might not either, but I find it very interesting in that it's not a concentration thing. Like, golfers, it's a, it's a still ball, and I, I guess it's just focus, and they have to hit the ball. Okay, that's fine. Whatever, that's, that's the sport. But in tennis, the players, or at least Roger, told me that the sound of the, of the ball off the racket indicates to him what type of shot, what type of spin he can analyze what's coming his way by the sound, not only Mm. looking at it and the spin, but how it sounded coming off the racket, which I did not know at the time. So the next time some yokels say, you know, why do they need quiet? Can't they just hit the ball? Now, you know, there's a reason why a tactical reason why tennis players would like some silence so they can tell what kind of slice, whether it's a flat hit, they know exactly what's coming at them. So in, in a My future public world, service announcement, there we go. <laughs> in a future world where you could be loud during tennis matches, it would be advantageous for you to be loud while your guy is serving. Yes. Because the returner would have a disadvantage on the, on the, on the picking up that, that audible advantage. And how fun would that be if you could also sit like fans of one player on one side <laughs> yeah. of the, and the other on the other? Not only are the heads like swinging back and forth, but the audio would go would rise and fall You're depending like on who was hitting. clapping right as, yes, right yes, as he's yes. about to serve. <laughs> I kind of think that would be really fun and who can decipher the, the sound anyway through the noise. I think it'd be kind of fun. But anyway, uh, I, like that. I, I, just, I like that. I just thought I would bring that up. And, you know, you talk about Djokovic makes a lot of money. Uh, mentioned Roger makes a lot of money on the court, off the court. Uh, but in the NFL, it's pretty clear. There's no positions in tennis. You're just a tennis player. But in the NFL, there are positions. And it's pretty clear, Mr. Novi Williams, as Kurt Bodenhausen takes a peek as we enter an NFL season at, at the highest paid players in the NFL. Now, this won't surprise anybody. However, the, the depth of it, I think, is a little surprising that uh, uh, I don't think you'd be surprised to know that of the top 10, how many are quarterbacks in the highest paid? The answer is nine. Yeah. And then here, let me go to the phone here because I took a picture. You and I both said the same thing <laughs> for, for, for number 10. Hold on. I got I to gotta find the guy's name here. Hold on. I don't I didn't never heard of this guy. Oh, now, you know, trying to get my phone to cooperate here. Okay. Chris <laughs> Lindstrom of the Atlanta Falcons, or as my old co-host Jerry Azar used to type, he could not type Falcons or Giants. 
it was always flackens and guignettes. <laughs> and that became a running joke. It was just in the copy it would always be flackens and guignettes. So that dude from the flackens is number 10. And you're t- yeah. telling me somehow you knew this because he had a big bonus. Yeah, so this is a, it, it's this is a, a list of highest paid players this year based on salary and their signing bonus. So it's it's a little bit skewed based on who signed this year because as, as a lot of people know, NFL contracts not guaranteed, but you give guaranteed money at the front end uh, via signing bonuses. Uh, but, thing but, but, but I, let's let's be yeah. clear though, there, there's no rule preventing guaranteed contracts. There is no I think rule preventing. People them. forget yeah. it. People forget that. Oh, you can't. You can't. You can guarantee anything you want. And, and, and NFL Deshaun teams Watson are, kind yeah, of Desha- has one, yeah, right? Yes, yes, and, yes. And, and Kirk Just Cousins, I think, had one as well. For obvious yeah. reasons, the physicality and the injuries, that not, not in and if, it's when, uh, they are loath, owners and GMs are loath to give out long-term guaranteed money yeah. to a football player. However, there is nothing that prevents it. Just wanted to make sure people understood that. Two things I want to mention that, that stood out to me about the, these charts and, and this this story. Uh, one, it was a reminder to me about how, except for just a few names, um, from a marketing standpoint, how, how many really big names in the NFL have essentially no marketing or endorsement, no endorsement por- portfolio, yeah. yep. right? There are some big, Patrick Mahomes obviously does very well, Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, and we can get into State Farm in a second. There are a few players that, that really do well on a national advertising scale. But unlike the NBA, where there's a lot of players that are doing some sort of kind of maybe five to $10 million endorsement portfolio range, there's almost none of that in, in, the, in, in the NFL. Lamar Jackson, $2 million from endorsements. Daniel Jones, number three on the list, $1.5 million. Daniel the Jones sh- could be sitting next to me, and I'm not sure. I would know it was Daniel Deshaun Jones. Deshaun Watson, number four on the list, 500,000 uh, in terms of annual endorsements. There's just a lot of that in this uh, on this chart. And that's always interesting to me because the NFL, as, as we talk about so much, is this is the biggest, richest sports league in the world. Uh, it, is, it is such a massive business. But for the players, maybe it's the helmets, maybe whatever other reasons, um, endorsement-wise, it's actually not as big as I think a lot of people think it is. The second thing that jumped out to me, Scott, Lev, Akabas, and, and and Kurt put together this chart of the, the top 50 NFL contracts by annual value color-coded by position. And I would have thought going into this that quarterback is obviously heavy towards the front. I would have thought offensive line would be the next one. And it's wide receiver now. We're going there back to the skill of, position, the sexy skill position. Tyreek Hill, um, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, um, DK Metcalf, uh, there, there's a few wide receivers in here. It's clear that the number two position pay wise is wide receiver. And, and I think that's a, I think, as you said, I think that's a change recently. I think amazing by the way, because as you mentioned, if you don't have ago, the offensive, offensive lineman, line. if you don't have the offensive lineman, neither that wide receiver nor that quarterback is going <laughs> to exactly. do anything Ex- on the football exactly. field. Exactly. Yeah. I think the, the, the kind of the origins of, of the blind side, Michael Lewis was, was kind of calling attention to just how valuable uh, both financially and strategically offensive linemen were. And for a while they were getting these huge contracts. They're still paid very well, but it's clear from looking at this list that uh, uh, wide receivers and maybe even defensive linemen are compensated better than offensive linemen. And that surprised me. And you know, uh, in all my travels, I keep my eyes peeled for sports business stuff. When I was in Rome, I was looking for all the different sport logos mm. and I even tweeted something out. Like I couldn't go 10 seconds without somebody passing by with a sports team. And I believe I tweeted Yankees, University of Alabama, all the big soccer brands oh. in the world. Yeah, yeah, there was a big guy in, in, in Alabama, and I stopped and talked to him. That was fun. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, just everywhere, th- th- these brands. And let me tell you, you know where I spent this past weekend. 
at vacation hotbed of Buffalo, New York, mm. right? West yep. Seneca, to be uh, to be uh, specific, is where we stayed. But we played at the Harbor Center, which is uh, the Sabres practice facility attached to the the rink they play in. Let me tell you something about Buffalo. You ready? <laughs> yeah. No, ma- no matter where you go, I'm talking the lobby of the whatever hotel we stayed in, the 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 bar, the restaurant. The, the outdoor, wherever you're walking down by the harbor side, Josh Allen is freaking everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it is Josh Allen everywhere. We went to dinner and I got a couple of good looks. This was fun because they had, uh, they had this big Super Bowl promotion up in the restaurant. And I walked over and I said, oh, I, I didn't know they knew about Super Bowls in Buffalo. And I said it out loud for fun. <laughs> Not I got winning a couple them, of, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I got a couple of looks, whatever. But it was fun. It was, it was fun. Uh, uh, but... I mean, Josh Allen, this guy is everything in that town. I yeah. mean, he is everywhere. Forget Rasmus Dahlin. It's not, it's <laughs> nice. not, thank you. It is not happening. It is not happening for Dominic Hasek. I, <laughs> I can tell you that. It, it yeah. was just, man, oh man. You couldn't go anywhere without seeing this guy. And, and the, everybody just wore his jersey. This, if one player owns a town, I'm telling you, Josh Allen owns Buffalo. Number nine on the highest paid NFL players list. The penultimate by the way. of the top ten, um, yeah. Number so. twenty-eight at salary and bonus, nine in endorsements. Uh, Buffalo getting a new stadium, which I think you and I may be talking about at some point in the in the near future Public on the show money. as well. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of momentum out there. No, no, no baseball team, no basketball team. So it's a, it's a two two sport town, and they're obviously very rabid. Um, so yeah, I would uh, the fact that the Bills are good, the fact that they have a quarterback that could be there his entire career and is very talented. I'm not surprised that you're seeing Josh Allen stuff uh, everywhere. All right, you want surprised? You want you are something that does yes, surprise. We're, I'm going. I'm going off the list here, but off the board. And we rarely discuss really <laughs> what we're talking about. We yeah. very loosely say uh, one, two, three, four, five, and then we go do our thing. Um, but I'm, I'm going to surprise you. So uh, I'm leaving Buffalo. And by the way, after a five and a week uh, focus group of one, Ooh. solid in the net, good win that. over Honey Baked to close it out. That's a Detroit team, by the way. Uh, yeah, really, really good week for the focus group of one. He was solid in the net, uh, as was his cohort, Luke O'Neill. Shout out, Luke O'Neill. Um, but I, I just put in ways, and I'm driving home. And normally, uh, I would go 90 east to 81, 380, 80. You know, but yeah. when I went to school at Syracuse, that's the way I went to school. Just from, but I, I was not paying attention. It was early. I'm tired, and I just start driving. And all of a sudden, it's taking me away. I've never gone before. And I see the big sign after we get off like the little two-lane thingy. Uh, the main sign is we're going past Williamsport. Okay. So we you're, hit Williamsport, Pennsylvania. You're in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. We hit Williamsport, Pennsylvania at 1.45 p.m. <laughs> the championship game, Curacao against California, is slated to begin at 3 p.m. I mean, I can pretty much see the stadium. We are right there. That's amazing. And I turned to focus group of one. I'm like, dude, we don't have tickets, but I don't know. Maybe I can make a couple calls or sit on the hill. Do you want to pull off? Should we stop and go see the game? Answer, no. Okay. I don't know if he was tired. You're not surprised. I was shocked. I wish, and, and frankly, I wish in retrospect, you know, California wins on a walk-off well, bottom walk of the Walk-off home run. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wish I had just said, tough. We're here. This is a fun thing to do. We're passing by. This is, un- this is a sign from the ways gods that we should do this. 
And he said no, and he was tired. I get it. He was up early, and he, was been, and, and he had a great game, but he, but he just, no, nope, I'm, I'm tired. I just want to go home. Mm. Boom, boo. And by the way, speaking of ways, you'll like this one too. On the way up, did you see my tweet? Exit 199 somewhere in Pennsylvania. It says, Arrow, Scott. <laughs> so I tweeted saying, Waze is saying something else. What should I do? <laughs> and the Waze people tweeted back. Do we need to, tell, do we need to say it? Yeah. Yeah, good that's marketing from the Waze people. I'm very oh, happy the Waze nice. people engage yeah. with it. So <laughs> thank you, Waze people. I thought that was very funny. Well done on the, uh, on the social media front, Waze people. I want to go back to the, the, the Little League for a second. It, yeah. You... You you would have expected your son to want to go. Absolutely, I, I'm not surprised at all. Watching 14 year olds play baseball 12, doesn't 12 seem that fun to me. He's 12 14. Year olds play, play baseball. Oh, but we watch does it on not TV. Seem that fun, fun to we me. watch it on TV. And Is that right? Okay, and so, oh, so there's yeah. at least the a background. Know, he plays story baseball there. too, and he likes to watch it. And I just thought, for, I mean, we're there. It was so unexpected, just a surprise. We're oh my god, we're passing the stadium. We're at the exit. Let's just get off and. Sit, we'll get a bite to eat, we'll sit on the hill and we'll watch, even if it was like three, I don't care. We're like, we're there, why not? It's either that or just drive home. And he chose drive home. So here's a hot take question um, that uh, I, don't, I don't know the answer to. It, Jackson is 14 years old. He's two years older than these kids on the field. Yeah. Obviously, those two years, you go through a lot of growth and development. Yeah. Is Jackson, as a pretty decent baseball player, better than the kids playing in the, in the Little League World Series? Uh, I would say as a whole, probably yes. Okay. But you do get the outliers, and, and I use that term uh, uh, for a reason because I'm going Malcolm Gladwell on you here. A lot of the better kids there are the ones who just either hit puberty early yeah, or just grow just fat. Like developmentally. Like, yeah, they're just developmentally. Yeah, I mean, you see the six foot one versus, you know, six foot one, 175 pounds is playing against four foot 11, 97 pounds. It, it, yes. I mean, it is what it is. And then you had the pitcher from Chinese Taipei. Did you see this kid? Did you hear about I, this? I did not know. He was throwing. He's a 12-year-old, big kid, throwing 82 miles per hour, which is the equivalent of 105 at a 60-foot, 6-inch mound. Love He's it. throwing 105 miles per hour equivalent. What do you, you think those kids are going to get hits off him? Well, the team didn't, didn't win, did they? Well, you can't pitch every day. I don't, I don't think he <laughs> lost the game, you know? Okay. And then the kid who hit the home run to win it, it was like his fifth home run of the world. The kid's huge. Yeah. Yeah, you see the bigger kids. So anyway, it is all that. All that to say that if I'm Jackson, I think watching kids who are roughly as good as me play baseball, it isn't all that enticing. I just think it's more of the more of the show. You haven't seen the stadium. It's just just you've seen it on TV. You just kind of want to see it for yourself. Going, oh, it really is as small as I think it is. Yeah, you know, oh, I want to sit on the hill. I want that kind of stuff. And and to bring it back to business, we, we talk, you talk on the show a lot about the kind of the commercial operation behind Jackson's hockey. Youth baseball seems to be the sport yeah. that has gotten as far, I want to the, call the, the furthest so Call far up the Little League 990 for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's TV that deals, broadcast deal with ESPN you know, is something week, else. Week, week plus of tournament games televised live on ESPN and ESPN2. Yes. Um, maybe hockey gets, youth hockey gets to that point at some point as well. But but the the, the business around Youth baseball seems to be the most developed of all the youth sports here in the U.S., at least right now. Yes, and in fairness to the focus group of one, he did wake up at 6 o'clock. And, and as you know, he was a bit ill and um, was was throwing up all morning at 6 a.m. Went back totally to feels fine, though. Update, he feels fine. So that's good. Maybe it was just fatigue or who knows what. Right, what we're going to talk, we're I, gonna talk about yeah. college football, right? Is that yeah, where we, we were yeah, going I'll, before I derailed this? Do it, yeah. I'm excited. What do we got? FSU right this weekend? Big FSU, game for LSU. State, LSU. Um, 
People Michigan Florida State is back. We'll see. Um, yeah, this is we had the week zero uh, this past weekend uh, where a couple teams played. Twenty seven million people went to Ireland to see Notre Dame play. <laughs> beat the wheels off of, of a Navy. Yeah. Um, but the the real we the real college football starts this coming uh, this coming week. Okay, wait a minute. Wait, I have to chime some, in though. Some big names. Yeah. You, before we get that, you said Navy, which made me think we haven't talked about Daniel Libet's big win, did we? We have not talked about Daniel. So go for it. Why don't you go to, I mean, just talking about a service academy. Go ahead. For sure. Yeah. So our our colleague, Daniel Libet, um, sued Army and West Point Academy more specifically uh, earlier this year because the uh, all of the service academies, Army, Navy and Air Force, refused to turn over athletic documents that are public records at most public universities um, because they have created these nonprofit, non-federal nonprofits that run their athletic departments. And we see this in, in a few other states as well. Yep. But essentially, Army Athletics is run by a nonprofit, and therefore the, the military says exempt the nonprofit from is not yeah, exempt from open records laws. Um, Daniel felt like that was not in the spirit of the law. He made a legal motion to force Army to uh, to turn those documents over. As part of that case, uh, Daniel did not win per se, but I, you can make the argument that he won. Army uh, agreed to give him all the documents he was looking for and to treat any future the requests. open records as uh, th- th- this this nonprofit as uh, as something that is not exempt under open records requests as it pursues a more definitive legal definition of whether it has to give these things over in the future. You know what so, I call that, Eben? I win is what I call well. You call, call it. I yeah. call it journalism. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, journalism. Yeah, that, that we don't too. see a lot of it these days, Jur- so, especially in the sports business coverage. Journalism. So for, for folks who are curious about what this might mean, uh, we're going to be getting here at Sportico over the next few months. Uh, my guess is is hundreds, if not thousands, trove, of pages trove, of documents about the economics of of Army's football and and basketball and athletic teams. And the first thing we published last week was a essentially the twenty page contract by which the military academy, the army, uh, contracted with this nonprofit to operate uh, the army athletics, and it includes all the money, the stipends that the military academy pays this nonprofit to to do operations. It, it includes essentially a breakdown of who's responsible for what financially. The the, the army uh, maintains the facilities, and also a number of the athletic staffers are actually federally employees. But then things like game day operations and travel, this nonprofit has to handle. It's an interesting look at the way in which this kind of unique situation was set up on Army's campus, whereby athletics is essentially a nonprofit uh, 501c3 that is just overseen by the obviously uh, public uh, federal government. boy, Daniel Libet. Yep. Uh, all right, let's lend it with big money and Leo Messi. And again, I'll make it, uh, I'll make it personal because it's fun and why not? So I sent, uh, I sent my wife to the game because we were out of town in Buffalo and she had to stay in work. She couldn't make it there. I said, hey, <laughs> at least if you, <laughs> well, no, well, I'm saying she could not go to Buffalo with us because she sure. was working. She could not leave. So I said, well, do you want to go to the game? This is going to be a big event. Messi's in town. Would you like to go? So yeah. she says, yes. She brings a friend. They go to the game, having a wonderful time with, by the way, our former uh, podcast producer Medina Parwana. Hello, Medina. Shout out, shout out Medina. Yep. 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 Um, and of course, so Messi doesn't start. And she's texting me, he's not playing. And then he's warming up. The place is going crazy. I'm getting video. You know, like, yeah. I, I know. That's why I got it. Like, I figured this is what would happen. There was zero chance he wasn't going to play at all. Yeah. There was no way. So he, he comes on. And guess what? I mean, I know it's not. She, I, this I don't understand. I know it's crowded. <laughs> I, I, I get it. It's, it, it. You know, it's going to be hard to get home. She left early. 
and heard the roar of the crowd of Messi's goal from the parking lot. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> Just and what a goal it was, right? A oh my! Beautiful for, pass. For people back who across. do not understand yeah. when I say that soccer, hockey, these are games of uh, of space and time. Vision, yeah. Yeah, and if if you ever need a textbook video example of what understanding space is, look at this goal by Messi. Put the ball to space as the heads turn. He cuts, makes his own space. Ball's just put on his foot, and it was an easy tap in. Yeah. I mean, a textbook example of vision and creativity from an elite athlete. And you wonder why he's Leo Messi? Just look at that one play. And not only to see it, but the outside of the left foot touch pass was right where it had to be, the proper pace. That is why he is who he is, and that is exactly why Wayne Gretzky, who was who he is, when he said, go to where it's going to be, you know, the puck's going to be, not where it is, Leo Messi, he understood that's where the player needed to be, led him to space. That's what Gretzky used to do. That is why they are who they are. I know a few people who were at the at the stadium on, on, on Saturday for the game, and everybody said the attention that Leo got when he took his training uniform off to warm up mm-hmm. on the sidelines was like nobody was watching the game itself. It was like everybody was watching this guy on the sideline just jogging around, warming up. It was. It seemed like the entire crowd was there just chanting to get Messi into the game. And then when it seemed clear that he was going to go in, the atmosphere got infinitely more exciting. And sorry to uh, to your wife, but it sounds like when that goal was scored, the place went. What do you mean the, sorry? The, 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 the self-inflicted wound. No sorry. Yeah. Self-inflicted. You could have stayed. So yeah. you had a little traffic to get out. Big deal. And and so this what? this was the first um, the first MLS, MLS regular season game that Messi has played in. Inter Miami has not yet lost since he's uh, since he's been playing with them. Um, but as as we've talked about on the show, the next few months are going to be this huge push to try to get Inter Miami into the playoffs. I think as, as we mentioned with with Mark de Grand Pre last week, the the president of, of Red Bull. Uh, Inter Miami is everyone in the league's second favorite team now. Yep. And, and when you're not playing them, uh, you really want them to win because you want this team in the playoffs because all of this commercial uh, bonanza that's happening around Messi could even could be even bigger if, if he's playing in the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, there's actually a, there's a new rule in front of the owners right now to make the first round of the playoffs best of nine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Only for the Inter-Miami teams. The, the last place team yep. gets in and then yep. it's best of nine. Yep. Yeah. Um, so so it, there, there's definitely uh, people around the league, I'm sure, would, would love to see Inter-Miami there in last place in the Eastern Conference put together a really strong second half, make it into the playoffs, and then and then who knows what will happen. But the I feel like we're talking about this every week at this point, Scott. But, but what, a dream, what a dream start. For, you could not have. I don't think you could have thought that it would be at the first nine games of the Messi experience would be this exciting, would be this dramatic. This much would have happened. He has what uh, twelve goals at this point? Yeah, Eleven well, goals? I, I mean, like listen, that. I mean, we, we've had big remarkable. players join this league, whether it's Beckham um, yeah, and his good sports da- business David implications, Villa, yeah. da- David Villa. Uh, yeah, that's our. Um, so I mean, we've had big players, big name players. We've had nothing like this. Yeah. And the implications, not only the now and the franchise values of whatever Jorge Mas says the team is now worth, but the league itself and, and, and the validity and who else might be coming and who might look uh, and the Apple and the Adidas and the contract itself. The sports business implications of this guy at this time with this league, uh, they go on and on. It's a great story. I'm sure you saw this. They put the game on in Times Square, Square yep, on yep. Saturday night, and it looked like there were hundreds of people hanging out in Times Square watching it. I, I can't think of another I saw Elmo. Event. I saw... <laughs> Spider-Man was there. Uh, well, yeah. I, I wasn't sure. Was a naked cowboy there? Is he a Messi fan? I'm not sure what he, if he was there. Yeah, I saw Spider-Man and Elmo and a whole bunch of other friends. 
<laughs> yeah, I th- that is, again, I, I don't know exactly how that came to be. I think it's smart, but I can't think of the last sporting event that you could have put on there and had probably a crowd that big kind of organically forming. I think that's that I think says a lot about where, where MLS is in, in the in the current country's kind of sporting landscape. I'm not sure it really tells the tale when you tell me there are hundreds of people in Times Square. Just saying. It may have been thousands. I don't know. The photo I saw was just, was just jammed. One, but 150 of the people who were there were not there for Messi. They were on their way to the Olive Garden. Fair. Yeah, and Scott Scott was leading the charge. <laughs> and I was out front. That's my <laughs> front of the group. <laughs> That's me. I'm in the supporters section of Olive Garden. By the way, real quick, as an aside, before before we wrap up, I don't know if you, you saw this, up. but there was a um, there was a sociology study published recently about how infrequently Americans mix uh, to, between people of social status above or below them in America. Just and the place that happens most their, is Olive Garden? Is that what you're going to tell me? Olive Garden and Applebee's yes. were the two places where Americans are most likely to encounter people of a, of a very different economic class. Excuse me, Mr. Buffett, are. are you going to have that breadstick? <laughs> That's what's happening there, right? Exactly, exactly. I, I'm I, a man I saw of that the study and I immediately people. thought of you, Scott. I was like, see, Perfect. Scott's been on this for, uh, forever. Perfect. I love it. I had a Facebook memory the other day where it said Janet Paskin Help me to get the uh, the Olive Garden pass. I don't know how many the years pasta, ago. Pasta it was, pass. But, yeah, I got the <laughs> pasta pass. So it, always a good smile at a, at a memory of me getting the pasta pass. They sell out in seconds. So that's it. Close so the if, show, Novi. If you're ever looking for Scott, you can find him at Olive Garden. But in the meantime, you can find him on Twitter <laughs> at Soshnik. I am Evan Novi Williams well on done. Twitter don't at mess Novi it up now. underscore don't Williams. Mess it up now. Show is produced by Keith Zanardi and Aaron Greenewald. Shout out to both of them. Sportico's digital media editor Cora Veltman would like you to know that you can follow the show at Sportacast, yes. which is the hub of the Sportico Media Network. Best one yet. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.